Have they finished now? That sounded. That did sound like a climax. And he turned around and hit me, right? And I went flying back for all these f***ing boxes and that. Yeah, I said, will you? And he went, yes. Touch the talent. I used to have a lot of bumps in my head. Right. Hence the way I am now. And uh, Rob was like, well, you know, sugar and caffeine should be all right. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, Single Track Podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode. Uh, I'm Mark, and this week in the virtual studio, I'm joined by... Me, Amanda. And me, Chips. That's the second take on that uh, that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) You would have thought that it would be really easy just to say your own name, wouldn't you? But for some reason, every week we seem to screw it up. Anyway. But how often do you say your own name? Um, At the beginning of a podcast to introduce yourself? Perhaps. Shall we crack on? Right, this week, first of all, coming later in this episode, we've got a new feature and we've got episode one of that new feature, which we've called Desert Island Disc Breaks. Woo, yes, how original is that? And guess what we do with Desert Island Disc Breaks? We get a notable person from the bike industry and we ask them a whole bunch of questions related to, well, yeah, we've completely ripped off the Radio 4 format there. Uh, This week, we'll be talking to Nick Craig, or uh, actually, more accurately, Hannah will be talking to Nick Craig and asking him some very interesting and probing questions, which is quite apt, isn't it? Because it's Nick Craig's birthday birthday this week. How old is he, Chips? He is 54 this week. I'm sure he'll be okay with us putting that into the podcast. Still ruling the veteran category in every race that he enters. I, I had one the, uh... one year. I had one chance where I could have, you know, taken the title uh, before he he kind of went up a gear to the uh, to vets. because no, generally is. he just turns up and does the senior race, and then he turns up again and does the vet race, and then wins that too. So yeah, it's sickening, isn't it? Just imagine <laughs> if you turn up to you're a vet and you turn up to a race, and Nick Craig pulls up behind you in the starting lineup. It must be so dispiriting, especially because he's 
so cheerful about it. Hi, sorry, sorry I'm I'm going to have to thrash you today. I'm really sorry. Nice bike. <laughs> very, very annoying. Right, anyway, let's crack on. This week, there's a few things that we're going to talk about. I think we should start, Chips, with you, because this weekend, where were you? Tell us about where you were this weekend. I was in Belgium this weekend, or, or Flanders, uh, all over Flanders this weekend. I went over to Belgium. Ridley Bikes had a, a sort of... Uh, get together where they were introducing their their three gravel bikes three different gravel bikes for you know there's an international scale of gravel from you know fine pea gravel up to railway ballast and i think they all have have grades and things so they have three different gravel bikes from uh, i don't know knobbly road up to uh, chunky gravel i don't think that's their official uh titles and they also got together some of their trade partners and people who sponsor their pro road team uh, like dt swiss and vittoria and part of the reason for the timing was because it was the tour of flanders this weekend and we got to do the the short version of the tour of flanders you can do a sporty the day before the the pros do it and i think the pro race is probably 260k something like that and uh, there are options to do a the full version of the uh, of the pro race, or or near enough that you do two forty. I think you don't do all the laps up all the cobbles, uh, and then you can do one hundred and forty five. And we did seventy five, which was far more civilized, and it did chuck it down with rain for the entire day. So, uh, but it was fun, great experience. And then on Sunday we. We're fortunate enough to be in one of those annoying minibuses with the press badge stuck to the windscreen. So we did a lot of like moving road cones out the way and parking in people's gardens and rushing to, to get a shot at the top of the cobbles and then rushing back to the van and going off to our next location. So it was, uh, it was all good fun. Excellent. And you, you were an official press, so that made you wear the press pass, so that would have got you access everywhere, wouldn't it? Like well, you know, you normally you're uh, you're you're used to that kind of stuff, but this is like grown up cycling, and uh, there are several levels, several echelons of press. There's a, a press lanyard, and then there's a press lanyard with a little purple stripe on it that lets you go nearer, you know, touch the talent. At the end of the race, they have this uh, sort of mixed zone where the the pros do their their interviews afterwards, and it's just like this little corridor with the sponsors' logos in the background, and uh, and a sort of fence, and you just sort of wave your microphone from the other side of the fence at and and try and catch. It's like the the uh, Oscars red carpet. Oh oh, can I have a quick word, Matthew? No no, okay, well, not fine. How about you? Who are you? So. Uh, you you can do that, but uh, I did discover we we got to the top of one of the the tough cobble climbs with plenty of time. We had half an hour spare before the pros turned up. We got the big lenses out, found a nice spot, and because we had our press lanyards on, uh, the police let us sort of stand in front of the the roped off area where the the, uh, the crowd was, and already and could hear the helicopter, and then heard eight motos turn up with. The uh, not just the press pass, but the press um, netball vest. I guess uh, is that what that, that's a little Airtex <laughs> photo goal attack uh, vests, and they all hopped off their mot- uh, the motos and then all stood in front of us uh, on the on the grass verge. So we had to we we did a bit of jostling, 
and then I nearly fell off the bank and got run over by one of the team cars. But you know, it would have been would have been good. It would have been televised anyway. So tell the Tour of Flanders. It's a cyclocross thing, or is it a roady it, thing? Which it's is a it? road it's... race with lots of cobbles. So right. there, there's a lot of reasonably chunky cobbles, generally on a climb, although terrifyingly in a few places on descents as well. And it's always the sort of start of April, and some years it kind of lashes it down with rain, and some years it's sunny, but it was bitterly cold, and it's where all the Belgian and Dutch hard men come out and uh, prove that they're uh, harder than we are. The crowds that it attracts are quite phenomenal, aren't they? The the crowds are massive. I mean, as I said, there's a sportive the day before, and there are 16,000 people do that. So... You imagine the crowds. Apparently, there wasn't a single hotel room in the whole of northern Belgium available. Um, because the race is so big, you can actually get to see the race nearly wherever you are in Belgium. The rest of the time, the world goes on and, you know, lorries deliver things and people go go out to the park and things. And then in between, there's this mad scrum of people who are following the race. Did you get up all the climbs, despite there being that many people on the sportive? Fortunately, yes, because we were only doing the 75k one, there weren't too many people because you all kind of start off, the long one starts off about seven in the morning and we start at about nine. But it means that the long version of the race hasn't got to all the climbs before we do. If you do the longer one, you get to the bottom of the Koppenberg, Koppenberg, or however, and uh, uh, and there's sort of cobble police there to set you off in waves so that because the biggest issue is is people either just getting off and pushing up the middle of the track in front of you or just falling off and then it just causes a great big concertina so they they I think as it gets more crowded they they stop the riders and set them off in waves so that you all have a fair chance cool so, right but yeah Amanda fun. you did your own version of Flanders didn't you this weekend can I just point out I like that we cool. just ignored chips calling it grown up cycle racing <laughs> you got away with that one yes let's, so. let's move on yeah so you you've done your own you did your own tribute to flanders didn't you i did there's uh the ronda van calderdale or cobbledale which is oh, chips do you know how long it is i should know given i've just done it i think it's about 100 kilometers and a few thousand meters of ascent if you do the whole thing so there's 14 cobbled climbs around Calderdale. And I'm pretty sure if you look at the numbers, most of them are harder than the ones in Flanders. Um, and then in between, we don't have nice Belgian tarmac. We have just pothole alley. Oh, it's so bad at the moment. It's just, it's hard to drive around here at the minute. Never mind ride a bike on it. Um, Is the buttress one of the cobbled climbs? It's not. It if isn't. it was, then I wouldn't have managed my no-dab challenge. Yes. The buttress, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is a cobbled road in Hebden Bridge. And up until a few years ago, we kind of co-hosted the Up the Buttress event, which was basically started at the bottom of this. What would it be? About 400 yards long, I think it is. And it goes to about a one in three or something like that. And it's cobbled. And the challenge was to get as far as you can without dabbing. And, uh, and it's cobbled so, and it's I under could... trees as well, so it's it, the cobbles are always a oh. bit green. Uh, Ron Van Calderdale, uh, fact-checking here, uh, 122 kilometres. Uh, it has 14 cobbled climbs 
on it. 14 named climbs, rather. So mm. you get to And do... you didn't dab on any of them? No. Wow. Which previously, so it was dry. It was, uh, it was quite a good experience of realising what's hard about these classics like Flanders, that it's not just that it's a tough gradient and it's rough ground. It's technical, getting up cobbles, especially when they're wet. But so there's two that I've never got up before and I got up them quite easily because I think my mind has changed recently. My idea of what's too hard is definitely What's changed adjusted. your mind, Amanda? What's happened? I rode <laughs> across you... Spain. <laughs> I rode from one end of Spain to the other and I survived it. So now, yeah, just my perception of discomfort and what's too much is for now. Hopefully I'll cling on to it. <laughs> what bike were you riding? Uh, I've got a Planet X Tempest, which is, I mean, I call it my road bike. It is technically a gravel bike, but I don't actually ride it off-road. It's just fit for UK roads. What were you riding in Flanders Chips? I was riding a Ridley Griffin, which was uh, kindly lent me for the uh, the day by Ridley, which was very nice. What tyres cool. did you have? had some uh, Vittoria Corsa Pros, which all of the pros were racing on in the race. So I was, I had no excuses, basically. <laughs> what about so, your tyres, Amanda? I had specialised Pathfinders, which are, they've got like a slick strip in the middle and then a bit of grip either side. I just need to tell you about one of the ones in the Ronde van Calderdale. It's called Old Lane. It's about 200 metres, but it it peaks at 35.5%. And the overall average is 22%. That's one That's, in three. I, really, yes, I don't know what you three. mean with the, the one in three. I don't. One in three means for every three units along, so you know, if you're three metres, let's be metric about it. For every three metres in distance, you rise one metre, three. Three along, one. Okay which is basically 33%. So if it was 35%, it was slightly steeper than one in three. Yeah. So Gross. that was your, that was, so it's been a bit of a grit, gravelly weekend for you two. Do we have anything to say about mountain biking in this podcast? Yes. I I can defend my choices this weekend because I'm going to Inalethan for the bank holiday weekend. So I thought I'll do a bit of a fitness boost. I'll go out and do some pedaling so that I can feel a bit stronger noodling around on a mountain bike. Well, we do have something. We do have a mountain biking topic to talk about. Uh, we've got two, first of all, and I'll talk about mine, then we'll come to yours, Chips, because it does involve personalities and the next issue of the magazine. <laughs> At the start of these podcasts, we do try and talk about some of the news stories that have happened on the website this week in order to just try and get all of you listeners to go over and have a look at the website. Uh, but the story I've just literally, before we started recording this, that I put up on the, new, on the website was about... Uh, a pro who we've written about before, Lewis Buchanan, Scottish mountain bike pro, hit the headlines, so to speak, earlier this year when he announced he got a new sponsor and his new sponsor was OnlyFans. Now, for those out there who are not familiar with OnlyFans, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be um, surprised if there's a lot of you that aren't. OnlyFans is a content platform that you where you can create content and then you can attract fans, your fans, to that content and you can charge them to see that content. So it's like a creator's platform that allows creators to monetize their own content and grow their fan base. Now, just like any new technology or any new platform that comes along and has done throughout history, including things like video. Printing. 
<laughs> printing, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Blu-ray has links. Basically, what we're talking about is OnlyFans is used predominantly by adult porn stars to um, get money out of their fans and to create content in a sort of a slightly more private and controlled way. So anyway, OnlyFans is synonymous with porn, although the platform itself is designed for any content creators to be able to basically get create an income out of their fan base. But regardless of how it started, it's become synonymous with porn. And I think the content platform itself is trying to change that recently. And over the last six months or so, they've taken on board a whole bunch of sponsorship packages with athletes and sports people from around the world, from wrestlers to rally drivers and mountain bikers. And in this case, Lewis Buchanan, who announced that he was now sponsored by OnlyFans earlier this year. Well, today we found out, actually just over the weekend, through Lewis Buchanan's YouTube channel, he's announced that he's actually been told by the UCI that he's banned from all UCI races because of his association with OnlyFans. And apparently there's some terms and conditions in the UCI athletes terms and conditions contract book or whatever that says that uh, they will ban you if you have an association with certain things. And one of those things is pornography. So he's, he's a little bit upset about that. And uh, so we just brought that news story today. So you should head over to our website and check that out. You can uh, express your own opinions on whether that's whether the UCI is doing something good there or whether they're taking things a little too far. But uh, that's my news of the week. But we have yeah. actually this week, we've got a magazine coming out. Chips, another mountain bike personality that you've recently interviewed is going to be in this issue. Who's that? He's in the next next issue, actually. Oh, he's not in this, not this week. I've made a mistake again. But, I cocked but, up a uh, lot of last week's episode too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, uh, I've, yeah, talking of UCI bands, um, <laughs> I don't think he's had, I don't think he's actually had one, but I'd be surprised if he'd be able to get away with his behaviour these days. Um, that, of course, is the great Rob Warner, Mountain Bike Hall of Fame nominee this year, and deservedly so, I think. Uh, first Brit to win a Downhill World Cup and arguably one one of the uh, most, the sort of, uh, wow, there's a lot of geese going on. Yeah, can we, can we just stop really here sorry. a minute? Like, this is, if, <laughs> you were, if you're wondering about what's in the background, I would have probably edited that out, but I'm going to leave it in just so we can talk about it. What the hell is going on at your the end, Amanda? The geese are mating. Yes. Right, shall we just be quiet yes. just for a minute? No, you've got to subscribe to their OnlyFans if you want. <laughs> there, there's just no, a theme it... running through through this this week. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I got, got a, a chance to sit down with Rob Warner for a, for a few hours uh, recently and uh, talk to him about everything from his sort of start in the, in the sport to what he's doing now. Uh, now that I mean, for many people, he is the voice of downhill racing and UCI World Cup racing cross country as well. You only have to say, "Look at the time," or uh, or the, the Danny Art to know that you've heard Rob Warner. He's very um, unmistakable. But the story is is actually fascinating, and and I've known Rob for getting on for thirty years now, which um, dates both of us. And during that time, I've been in positions where I think I've I've tried. I've had to manage him physically sometimes, uh, as part of my work. And I've also met him at World Cups in the in the glory years of the nineties, when basically Rob and uh, Steve Pete were 
a sort of double act. <laughs> Oh. Have they finished now? That sounded. That did sound like a climax. Has <laughs> it flown off? <laughs> oh, anyway, you were telling us about Rob and his, uh, his proclivity to to party. Yeah, have, have a good time. Rob and and Steve Pete were the the James Hunts of the. Uh, um, early days of mountain biking and and it kind of was when you could turn up with a, a bunch of natural talent and ride your bike fast and fearlessly and probably get a top 10 uh, mm. if you had a good day uh, rob famously won a, a a world cup and it was pouring with rain that day which obviously helps his skills because he honed his craft uh, with years of motorbike trials and so he was ideally suited for that course uh, he was also in the pub the night before uh, his breakfast that morning was a mars bar and a can of coke uh, much to the horror of uh, professional coach dave smith who was i think in the chairlift with him up to the top of the race and uh, rob was like well you know sugar and caffeine should be all right and uh, and he went on to one uh, went on to win and uh, he then for the for the first time in his life uh actually rode a bike through the winter uh the following winter just to prove it wasn't a fluke and had a had a success the year after although well you'll just have to find out uh, yeah uh, don't give it all away what we really want to know is how many times did he swear in the interview with you well in the course of an hour uh, and because i've had to transcribe the entire interview just to be able to edit it down to a sensible length uh, it was it ran to over eight thousand words, but Rob did swear, a hundred and forty six times in in an hour, uh, which, you know, probably isn't it isn't you know it's not like yep. ten times a minute. Shall we have a short taste of clip? I, I think shall we should, we especially be, because this um, this story uh, which I asked him about won't be in the interview because mm. we literally don't have time for uh, to to put all the stuff in. But I did ask him two questions at the start about his Wikipedia entry. There's one that says he was he's the only person to have won a World Cup with a sexually transmitted disease. Uh, and that's, How does that's he know? Wikipedia. Well, the, he happily, uh, happily admits to it. So he's the only one who's admitted to winning a World Cup with an STI. So, so that's kind of on Wikipedia uncontested. And yet there's this, uh, the second uh, fact, which says, Wikipedia says, you know, need citation needed, needs needs clarification. And that that's that he used to uh, put the wiring harnesses into Rover 800 cars at the Cowley plant, which uh, uh, which he did. And uh, and it wasn't without its own little bit of drama uh, when relating to Kate Bush. Shall we hear a little bit of that now? I think we should. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When I, when I got kicked out of school... Uh, no, I didn't get kicked out of school. I made school, but then I got kicked out of Emley College straight away afterwards in the first three months of going there. Dad got me a job at Rover where he worked in Cowley, which is 20 minutes from here. And until I'd paid off a loan on a motorcycle trolls bike I'd bought, which took about a year, because Dad was like, right, you're doing badly at school. I'm not buying you any more bikes. You need to buy your own bike. Right, I can get you a job at Rover, and I did put wiring and harnesses in Rover 800s from 7:15 in the morning till 4:15 p.m. in the afternoon. Every two minutes thirty, I did exactly the same process. Yeah, there you go. Obviously, yeah, set you up well for, for it's life. A fact. Okay, we'll get you. It also states I'm the only man to win a World Cup with an STD, <laughs> <laughs> which I much prefer. I mean, I, I doubt I am, but the only one who's admitted it. Which is far more important. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> That's thrown in. <laughs> I thought that's where you were heading with it. They, I was yes. disappointed so, when it came around. Well, no, I, I saw that and I thought, <laughs> no, joking. that's, it. that's unconfirmed. And yet the other, all no, the other I things on it. Rover. I did work at Rover. Okay. And then... And then yeah, one day a bloke pushed me out. Like, honestly, he f***ing hit me. He hit me. It was so rough in there, this f***ing on the production line as a 17-year-old kid. And one day he had Kate Bush playing the bloke on my workstation. And he and I said, she's f***ing shit, mate. Turn that down. And he turned around and hit me, right? And I went flying back for all these f***ing boxes and that. And I was like, f*** this. And I f***ing literally walked off the job and went and found Dad, who worked over another part of the factory. And by the time I got back, the, the cars I hadn't put the wiring harness had got to a certain point and they had to stop the production line for something like, I remember the quote, it was like 32 minutes at £100,000 a minute. <laughs> you know? Yeah, something like that it was, yeah. I'm, I'm more of a commentator than I'm a, than a mountain bike rider. I'm, much, I'm, a, I'm a much more successful commentator than I'm a mountain bike rider. Yeah, I think Steve, Steve Bear was saying if you'd put as much effort into... Yeah, I'd have been fucking... Into your I'd bike have been pretty riding. good, mate, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work for me. And using my head, which didn't work for me at school or college or uni or anything... Not uni, I didn't get that far, did I? Or college <laughs> or anything, didn't work ever. I could never apply myself. For some reason, with a commentary, it all clicked. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking mad, isn't it? I don't really know why either. I just fell into something that I really like doing. Yeah. Because, Which really and one helps, of the big attractions of it is that it's so fucking easy. Like, it's words coming out of your mouth. It's no harder than that, yet it's so fucking hard to get right. It's like, it's a fucking massive puzzle, but doesn't require any physical effort whatsoever. It's all, that's what I think I like about it. The whole thing blew up, and it was good for mountain biking because it went massive. Yeah. It was that line I, I timed to perfection just after he'd crossed the line? I was like, <coughs> And he was like looking back at this leaderboard and he, you know, 12 seconds ahead. And I just said, 
How does Danny Hart sit down with, with balls that, that big? big? Yeah. Well, Lance fucking Armstrong fucking put on Twitter, have you heard this guy? And it was me, my commentary. Yeah, fucking amazing. That's all time, isn't it? Okay, there we go. So that's coming up in a future issue of Single Track. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, what else have we got this week? I don't think, I think that's pretty much it. Shall we, shall we, has either of you two got anything planned for the rest of this week? What are you doing this weekend? It's the bank holiday weekend. What are you up to, Amanda? I am going to win a Lethan and riding mountain bikes. What are you up to, Chips? Uh, I haven't a clue, to be honest. I've, um, haven't had a chance to think about it. And, uh, the fact that it was a bank holiday sort of snuck on me, uh, snuck up on me as well. So I'm not sure. Apparently, I got a load of people coming to stay, so I will be doing some duvet ironing, and uh, <laughs> this is how rock and roll. <laughs> but I will also be riding my bike. Excellent. For those of you confused, Chips now being resident in the uh, the French Pyrenees, actually has some accommodation that he, he rents out. You've got a couple of jeets, haven't you? I do, yes. And because it's sort of my thing to run, uh, I get to do all of the bathroom cleaning and the duvet ironing. Yeah, run around. Who irons the duvet? Well, Apart from you? insists on it. Right, on that note, we're going to leave it there from the studio. We're going to head over to listen to Hannah have a chat with Nick Craig where she asks questions in our new feature which is called Desert Island Disc Breaks. So over to you Hannah. Hi, welcome to Desert Island Disc Breaks. It's the first one with Nick Craig as our guinea pig. Woohoo! Thanks, really? thanks for doing it. That's all right. I don't know I what said, I'm doing yet. Yeah, I said will you and he went yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like you. So basically... <laughs> You, it's a shameless rip-off of Desert Islandists. You're about to be washed up on an island where you'll spend the rest of your days alone, apart from the company of a single bike, a helmet, which will give you a, a toolkit and some trail building tools. So, are you ready for that? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so the first question is, when did you learn to ride and what was your first bike? Um, I... I first, the the one bike I really remember is the one that I first raced on, and I was oh. nine, and it's a rally arena. So when did I learn to ride? I think I was quite early, probably four or five. Right. Um, yes, I rode without a helmet. Yes, I wheeled it. Yes, I made myself concussed. Usual things that kids with. I used to have a lot of bumps on my head. Right. Hence the way I am now. Similar. Right? <laughs> And so you rode bikes all the way through childhood then and into adulthood. You didn't drop out in any teen years or anything like that? No, I loved it. I was the first, I think the first time I rode without stabilisers was the, the freedom. I suppose it's like having your first car to me. Right. And that was a lot later. So um, I felt free when I could ride away. And you started racing, well, you were racing from, by nine. And then you raced all the way through as well. Then. Yeah. I'm 54 next week, so there's a few years of racing. I think somebody asked me about cyclocross, and I actually haven't missed a season. I've done seasons where I've maybe only done four or five races, but um, that was due to health reasons. Um, yeah, it's, is it an addiction or is it just Does the, the red mist come down or is it is it about beating other people or is it about beating yourself? Um. 
I'm competitive and I get more the most pleasure from beating somebody that's maybe fitter or stronger by tactical, technical right. and uh, experience. That That's the most rewarding. So it's, I, I don't know, really. It's not, I've said this before, but I, it's not, you know, it's, it's not about winning. It's about um, competing and base, you know, I base my happiness on the, on the performance. If I base my happiness on the performance, I wouldn't be very happy. Right. There's a lot of times I, I spent, you know, I could count how many times I didn't win races. So that wasn't the ultimate goal for me. So you like the fight? Yeah. Rather than yeah. necessarily the crossing the yeah. line. Okay. So what was the first bike that you bought with your own money? You probably uh, never bought one with your own money. <laughs> You've always been sponsored. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Not quite. No, I think I... Yeah, that's really difficult. Um, I used to build trackers, we call them. That was basically used to get frame and it was, um, you know, riser bars. Um, it was around the rally grifter days when everybody wanted the chopper, but you couldn't mm -hmm. afford it. The grifter came along in the 80s, I think it's late 70s, 80s. And we used to just basically make bikes out of bits right. and they weren't really branded. They were just frames from wherever you found them from. Right. Um, yeah, I, I do actually, I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to get, I'll call them tools, but bikes for a long part of my career. And even though that's the case now, I bought a bike a few weeks ago. I bought oh, a frame okay. and handlebars to do a build on a bike. Right. Okay. So, yeah. And maybe you won't remember. Can you, what's your first off-road ride or your first memorable off-road ride where you were like, ah, this is it? So it'd be on a cyclocross bike and it would be, I was probably, after the racing, we'd do rides over Kinder Scout, over Jacob's Ladder on cyclocross bikes in the winter in the snow. And they were the most fun because... The drifts had filled in all the big, uh, the big gullies, and uh -huh. and and when I when I was a kid, we had a lot of hard cold winters, and I can remember when the snow drifts froze, and you could ride on the snow drifts. Right. That was great fun. Soft landings too. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> um, so, when was your first mountain bike then, as opposed to a cyclocross? Uh, Nineteen November, nineteen eighty-eight. Well, that's very definite. Yeah. And what was that then? Um, it wasn't mine. I was lent a bike to um, David Beck and Tim Gould had already transitioned across to mountain bike racing the year before. And it was suggested that we should try some mountain bikes out and they were Muddy Fox somethings. And we rode around uh, Kinder Reservoir and we took them. It snowed. It was horrible. And we basically took them back to the bike shop in Huddersfield and... Um, a guy called um, Darren from Pedal Power lent us these bikes. We took the bikes back and said, it's not for us, that's great, thanks. Oh. <laughs> and he then turned around and said, well, maybe try these bikes. So then we took some different bikes and I started racing in the summer of 89. Okay. So what was the first mountain bike that you owned then? If that was, you had a ride on Muddy Fox and didn't think much of it. Uh, we were then lent from the bike shop some specialised stunt jumper bikes right. to race that first year they were full rigid obviously um and what's incredible and you know this brings it up to the current day is it was amazing they were a thousand pounds those bikes right 
a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have been able to afford that at the time, but they were on loan from the white shop. You've been a very lucky boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but at some point you've bound to have been unlucky. So what was the first bank you had stolen? Um, I had, um, I had, I had the garage um, emptied. Wow. Yeah, maybe seven or eight years ago, so not too bad, really. Okay. Yeah. There so you worked quite a long time to have your bike, first bike stolen then. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, it's quite a while. I never really, um, I never really left my bike anywhere. It was always no. attached to me. People say, "Oh, do you own a lock?" And I'm like, "No, because I never leave it anywhere." Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and no one's going to catch up with you. So. No chance. <laughs> so this island that you're going to, you get to choose it. Right. And you get to be God. Uh, so what sort of rock and soil and vegetation and climate are you going to go for? So I'm, I'm, I, this is really quite easy. Okay. Um, I spend a lot of time in Mallorca. Um, I've been to mainland Spain just recently. And Mallorca, if you were designing an island, it's already been done. It's been made for cycling. I'll probably adjust the trails a bit. The trails are really, most of my cycling is road cycling there. And when I look at the mountain bike trails, they're really rough and people right. rip tires and a lot of them, the walking trails. So I'd probably make those trails a bit less. I think there's some limestone there, which is really slippy. And where I live in the Peak District, we have dark and white peak. Mm-hmm. And there's a definite line where the walls go from granite to limestone. And at that point, I fall off. So I <laughs> doesn't everyone? I hate limestone. <laughs> if anyone picks limestone, they're mad. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I'm going to guess there's a there's granite and there might be limestone as well in Mallorca. So I just make the whole lot gritstone, right? Grippy, um, a little bit less. If you could take the abrasion away from the sand, that'd be good. Um, take the really sharp edges off the rock where they shatter and rip your tires, and make all the footpaths bike only well you're gonna be there you can ride wherever you want yeah so yeah i'd just basically take the orca um and i'd probably lift it slightly up so it's not what do you call it when the the water goes really salty from under because a portion of the water's coming from the sea right um salination yeah something like that something like that you're thinking very practically we'll make sure you don't die out there just, be just lift it up a bit i need fresh water spring i need um the beaches and the climate of Mallorca. and I, what i really like about there is that you've got all seasons so it's not you know you you're going to get some cold oh, okay um, recently i was ahead of snow so, 40 so you're going for all the weather then yeah okay yeah Mixture but, of weathers. But no limestone. 250 odd days of sunlight. Yeah, probably go for 300. Just, you need about 50 just to remind yourself that it's okay not to be, uh, you know, sunny one day. Right, okay. All right, well, on this island, this Mallorca without limestone, you're going to have a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. So, what skill will you learn while you're there? I, I used to make furniture and I used to take trees. That were made, they basically would buy timber in planks that was rough saw with the bark on the edge. And I probably want to learn how to um, convert, not convert it, how to season it. In So, I, you know, if a tree fell, let's say a tree fell down or was mm-hmm. storm damaged, I didn't just chop it down. Okay. And I was going to make some furniture out of it. I would want to be able to saw it through 
into planks oh, yeah. and then put it into stick so let the air and let it season then I could make it into some furniture and that would be a whole to go from a fallen down tree to having a table chairs and some you only need one chair it's only going to be you but it's oh, you can sit in different places oh, so. am I really on my own I'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah well actually <laughs> you do get to have an annual visit from a mechanic who will come and do just one job for you yeah so what job are you going to pass off to that annual visit Probably doing a front frame swap on an e-bike. <laughs> front triangle. Oh, well. But that assumes that you've got an e-bike with you because this is the question. You only get to take one bike to the island to ride forevermore. So what are you going to choose? You know I ride a spark a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's not only my race bike, my trail bike. And now it's an e-bike as well and the Lumen with the TQ motor. I think that bike... It's probably the one I take because I could ride it with or without power. So it'll yeah. do everything for me. Well, and then what will you everything be? Because you get to choose. You can either have a trail team will build everything for you before you get there. But once it's built, that's it. That's all you've got. Or you can build your own. So what are you going to go for and, <laughs> and what will you have there? What sort of trails? If they build them, can I then tweak them? No. no. Make sure they don't have puddles, but that's no. it. I think I'd better just take a spade <laughs> and dig some trails. What would I dig? I'd, I'd, I'd leave some of those natural rocky trails, but I'd also then build in some flowy... We used to call it the new black is blue 10, 12 years ago. Okay. But I've got to say the stuff that everyone can ride. I know there's only me there, but totally rollable, flowy... Perfect eye line where you just come down to the bottom, big smile on my face because I, I need a smile on my face if I'm on the earth. Oh. Well, you get a book as well. So what book would you take? I'm more of a... Yeah, I read magazines. I oh, really okay. read books, so I'll take a pile of single tracks. Will you put me on the mailing we list? We should give people that anyway, shouldn't we? Would you we? put me on the mailing list? Would that be there? Well, Maybe that's like the Bible. You get a, you get a single yeah. track subscription okay. anyway. Okay, and you get to take one album with you as well. My music taste has been through the... My first record I bought was New Order, and it was Blue Monday, first 12-inch, and it, it was one of the copies that was printed with the A and B the wrong way. Right. And I've got quite... I'm not going to say I'm really big into music. It's through Talking Heads, through all sorts of unusual music, even things like Nora Jones, like the aliens to that kind of music. So I'm, if you've gone, Spotify has been the best thing for me. Okay. So actually choosing albums now is really difficult, but a box set of Kings of Leon was something that I bought maybe eight or nine years ago. It's probably one of the best box sets of CDs I've ever bought. Oh, that'll keep you busy. And then... One luxury item. Okay, you can't use it to escape the island. So no canoes or anything like that. And you're not allowed to communicate with the world. So, yeah, a luxury item. Paddleboard. You might escape on that. I won't. Promise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Since you are the nicest man in cycling, we'll let you have a paddleboard. We'll trust you. (laughs) Thank you very much for being our first desert island. This breaks, guest. Thanks. I think you might need to add that. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Thank you. I hate stuff like that. (laughs) Leave that on there. (laughs) 
thank you, Hannah. So she's got another one lined up for next week. So tune in next week for another episode of Desert Island Disc Breaks. That's all from us this week. So we're going to head off now. So all that remains to say is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from my two co-hosts this week. Goodbye, Chips. Goodbye, Mark. I'll catch you next week with uh, a lot more mountain biking going on. Yes, there'll be more mountain bikes next week. We promise. Isn't that right, Amanda? (laughs) Yes, I promise too. Brilliant. Right. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Cheers. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Single Track Podcast. Uh, I'm Mark, and this week in our virtual studio, I'm joined by... One of you go. (laughs) (laughs) Chips and... Oh, of course you would both go together at the same time. (laughs) Go in alphabetical order, for God's sake. (laughs) Okay, that means Amanda. Mark, then Amanda, then me. Right. I'm just having to work that out. Cut by surname. Right. 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 We'll do it again this time. Amanda, you you go first, then Chips. And say my own name. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's preferable to say (laughs) your own name, not somebody else. All right. State your name. Today, today, Matthew, I'm going to be. (laughs) So there we go. That was good fun. Uh, Next week, I'm not sure. Hannah's already got one in the bag for next week. Can you remember who she was talking to, Amanda? I can't remember. She's. But anyway, <laughs> right. I'm, since that was going nowhere, I'm going to start that one again. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, sorry, I was just looking at the Rob Warner thing where he talks about the XC riders. Go on, you f***ing losers, you f***ing lycra-wearing w****s. <laughs>